2: Okay. Hi, everybody. Aaron Portsign here. It's the front and nationwide live room podcast. A little after one o'clock. we got a listener's coming into the room right now, the live room as it is. Uh, we'll let that populate. And I'll start with a couple of things from the rink today. Um, okay. You guys want the good news or the bad news first? Uh, before we, before I start going here, a reminder if you want to ask a question, by all means, step up to the queue. I'll bring you in. You can we can we can talk just like it's a radio show. Uh, it's it's um pretty cool that way. Or you can chat. You can leave a, a message as Paul B already has through the chat. We'll try to get to as many of those as we can. Um, but um, so yeah, today at the rink, the news. Let's start with the good news because it seems like that's been in in uh, short supply here lately. Uh, Eric Goodbranson activated, uh, not activated because he was never ir but he will play tonight after missing uh, the last game, the last part of two games with an upper body injury, I uh, believe a concussion, not confirmed. And Sean Karali has been activated off IR, and he will return tonight as well. This really isn't bad news, I guess, unless you're Jack Rostovic. It's just kind of news. Um, but... With all of these injuries, and Patrick Liney, of course, is out, if you follow the news from yesterday, three to four weeks with with an ankle. He joins so many others. Voracek out still. Wierenski, of course, out. Blankenberg out. Some big, big hits to the Blue Jackets. Uh, But Jack Rostovic is a healthy scratch tonight, which he would not speak to the media. He asked a PR uh, person today at the rink to tell the media that he didn't want to talk. He didn't even want to say no comment. Um, and part of, I, you don't take offense to these things. If, if, if you do what I do for a living, it is what it is. Um, I don't know what Jack could possibly say, because it does feel like we've had this conversation a bunch of times, a lot of times last year, first 60 games of the season, maybe first 55 anyways, you know, what is he going through? What is he seeing? Where is this going? Um, last year he turned it on at the end of the season, which I think only makes, This more frustrating for him, and I'm sure for the Blue Jackets, because uh, the hope was that he would be past this. But he, you know, I want to say this, too. It's not like this team has played really well, except for Jack Roslovic. This team has not played well, almost to a man. They have not played well. Um, How he gets singled out, you know, Brad Larson would not go into much detail today. I asked him how it got to this point. How could it get to this point with all of the injuries? Is this simply a message to Jack, or did you feel like you've got 12 better forwards? And he just sort of reiterated that he's not going to play tonight. So when you consider this team's struggles down the middle of the ice. Wow, does that. Uh, this one has to sting. It's at home, his hometown, no less. It's a team that's, that's uh, struggling, even though they've played a little bit better of late. Um, can't really fault the effort against the Islanders, the overtime loss. But this team is is obviously not doing well. And for them to decide that they're a better team tonight without Jack Roslevic has to sort of be a kick in the backside. So a reminder, if you want to ask questions, uh, please step to the queue. And I will bring you in for those. Some other things we can talk about. I wrote about this for Sunday. I believe that the mission statement of this season, it's kind of, pretty awful that it only took 10 games or so for it to happen but i think the mission statement of this season or what the reason for this season is has changed and first it was their the just flat not good enough play for way too long long before they got to finland but it sort of hit rock bottom there or exacerbated there the second game especially um they just weren't good enough, didn't play well enough, not enough guys were going. And now the injuries uh, really sapped them of any chances. It was a long shot chance to get back into it after the way that they've started. But now to take Wierenski out and to take um, Blankenberg out, my, oh, my, um, that's rough. And so I think you can safely say that this season is not, it can't be any more about making the playoffs. Sure, they could try to squeeze every bit of of energy and effort out of this team and, what, finish 12th in the East if they got it together. I mean, you know, you see where I'm going. To me, and I wrote this for Sunday, it's part of the Blue Jackets Sunday gathering, our, our sort of weekly notes column, I feel like this season now, becomes almost a frustrating repeat of last season. Um, I say frustrating because last season wasn't frustrating. It sort of had an air of newness to it. But I think this season needs to be all about getting the young guys ready to go and giving them incredibly intense and beneficial um, development that maybe you can't do if you're in the middle of a race. So, and And I think beyond that, the team needs to decide what to do. Does that mean sending them to Cleveland? where, you know, I don't want to go through every guy here. We can talk about this at length if you wish. But just for instance, where Cole Sillinger could play on a top line, could play power play and penalty kill, could play late in games, could take every big draw for the Monsters, really put him in that role that you think he can one day fulfill in the NHL level. Why not give Kent Johnson three months in Cleveland at center? Take the face-offs. Uh, play with some good wingers down there. Yeah, I, you know, it, it would be a tough sell, and there's all sorts of dynamics we can get into. I think it's something you have to consider, and honestly, I think it is something that they've talked about. Um, so these are things to, to to look for the rest of the season. There's really no reason for them to do it right now, but I think they've got to monitor these guys, and as long as Sillinger and Chinikov and Johnson are playing, sort of secondary roles in the NHL and not really thriving and let's be honest they're not really thriving right now i thought sillinger was pretty good for one of his better games this season against the islanders and really really took off after he scored so maybe he's coming out of it but these guys have not played particularly well chinikov's had some moments i think johnson's had some moments but they're not they're not supposed to be part-time secondary fringe players. Um, give them an opportunity to run with it in Cleveland. Give Cleveland an opportunity to go deep in the playoffs and get some great experience there. Look what happened to that team when Warensky was there in Cleveland with Bjorkstrand, I want to say it was 16, with Bjorkstrand, Josh Anderson. Man, that, that team, there's a lot of guys from that team that came on up to Columbus and became a very integral part of, of the team that, that made it to the playoffs four years in a row. Um, Not a bad idea, Um, but at the same time, you could also just start playing those guys in higher roles at the NHL and just make sure they don't get buried by it, but give them all the experience they can possibly get at the NHL. My point is, I would hate for this to go on as it is right now for three or four more months, have them playing fringe roles at the NHL level and have the team sputtering, but not really achieving anything that can benefit them in the future. Uh, I don't need to tell anybody listening to this podcast that there's a young man named Connor Bedard available in the draft this year. I am not suggesting they tank. I'm not. Uh, I'm suggesting you prepare this team for the future. And whatever that means for this year's team is what it means. Maybe it does end up that you land a great pick. There's other guys near the top with Bedard that are really, really good players. This is a great draft. Um, So all things to consider. Let's get to some questions. We have just one person in the queue. Uh, Again, if you want to step up to the queue, don't think you don't have a great radio voice. Um, Listen to me. I have a I have a face for newsprint. I have a voice for newsprint. Um, Please step on up to the queue. Feel free to ask any question you want. We'll go for about a half hour, 45 minutes here. Um, We can talk about all of those things we just discussed and more. Our first questions question goes to the great. Kyle Z. Kyle Z, I believe calling from San Antonio. This point is the Front Nationwide podcast have reach or what? I know, the Alamo chapter down here. It's great. Impressive. Quick question for you. Um, Where
3: is John Davidson's role in this? Um, Obviously, he's, as the president of the hockey operations, he's the big picture guy. How much has his voice maybe Um, Or how much does that weigh into the decision as far as sending these guys down, not sending these guys down, just the overall direction of the club? You know, where exactly is his role in this side by side with 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 Yarmo or making those personnel decisions, making those staffing decisions?
2: Yeah. So best I can tell, John Davidson, he, he is very much a part of hockey operations. I don't think he sits in on the scouting meetings. He's not. Traveling to see players, he's not. Um, he's not, you know, going to snowy rinks in Moose Jaw, Canada, and this sort of thing anymore. It is an administrative. It is an executive role. Um, he has earned as much, but I do think in, in times of trial and tribulation, which here we are, um, he does tend to step in. And I go back to the uh, Seth Jones situation a couple of years ago where. When it first became known that Seth Jones uh, was not, would not promise the Blue Jackets that he would sign an extension, didn't demand a trade, but basically said, I don't think I'm going to extend here. There was some thought within the organization, from Yarmo specifically, we're going to try to get the best trade for Seth Jones this summer. If we don't get it, we'll go into next season with him. And it was John Davidson who pretty clearly um, said, no, 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 we're not doing this this is how we're handling this. We're taking care of this right now. This is not going to be Panarin slash Bobrovsky part two. Um, So I think there are times where John Davidson does involve himself when he starts to see the ship maybe going off course a little bit. That is the big voice from on high. uh, That kind of makes it clear. Yeah, let's do this. Um I don't think he steps on toes unnecessarily. I think he understands that. I think he's been a part of enough front offices where he recognizes you let hockey people do their jobs and and he's pretty hands off with Yarmo. But he also is the 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 uh, contact point for ownership. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh that's truly his power of this position, something they never had when Housen was here and when Doug McLean was here, a person on the hockey side that could be a representative to ownership above the GM. Um, so he explains things to the owner, very close with John, John P. McConnell, uh, very close, obviously with Mike priest on the business side. These are the times where I, I do think he involves himself. I'm not sure he would go to Yarmo and say, we're sending these kids to Cleveland no matter what. But I think it's a discussion that he would want to have. Um, and he would want to hear the right things from them um, because, you know, a, a really good front office does not always agree on things. Um, they always agree to work together at the end, but he is the most powerful voice in the room. And so um, if he needs to put the gavel down, then he can, because what I would say to that, I have I have no sense that he has intervened here and said, OK, here's what we're doing. And I still think they need to let the dust settle here. Um, just with where they're at, with guys coming back in, good Branson now, Karali, Ross out of the lineup. You know, let, let this settle for a couple of weeks rather than be totally abrupt. Give the room a chance to play. I thought they played okay in New York. But just keep your eye on things and make sure you're not wasting a season. That's the one thing that I think they've gotten better at here. You cannot spend... Entire seasons in vain they have to have a purpose you're either in it to win it or you're working for the future and this club has done no man's land way too many times i don't think they're going to do that again here uh kyle thanks for the question thank Let's you appreciate go. it
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
3: Paul go ahead Hey Porty, how's it going Good man how are you I'm good I'm good I gotta say Probably the most surprising news I saw Today was Elvis is back in net uh-huh. it, It's been very Refreshing to see Corpy in there The last couple of games and it's Reminded me how
2: different those two Guys are <laughs> Yeah it's well I don't know That I was that surprised I mean they're not gonna let Elvis sit too long um, I think Corpy's Corpy's play has uh, allowed him to split the pipes rather than to just be uh, the guy that plays when Elvis needs a break. I think that's going to change. But I don't think it would be fair to either of them to let them sit too long. Um, and, you know, I talked to Elvis today. He was pretty loose. And I think he's had a nice little refresher. I'll say this, too. Like, the the, the team played Pretty awful in front of Corpusalo in call in in, um, in uh, Tampere, Finland mm-hmm. in game two uh five goals i don't think you put those on on Corpusalo because god there's so many breakdowns, but that's what Elvis has faced for a few weeks now, and elvis has, has been not great in some games let let's be honest it works both directions, but I think what we've seen is a breakdown in trust between Elvis and the the play in front of him, both directions. They don't think a save is going to be made. He doesn't think the right defensive play is going to be made, and he's going to be hung out to dry again. And that is no way to play that position. Um, Maybe this time off, maybe if they can play in front of Elvis like they did against the Islanders on Saturday, maybe you'll see a different Elvis. One thing that that worries me about Elvis, and I'm not a goaltending expert, but you talk to people who understand the position and it looked like he was trying to do everything himself. And there were some saves where he's closer to the face off circle than he is to his own crease. Um, There's just way too much movement there. And that's from a guy trying to be a hero feels like he needs to be a hero and he just needs to play net, but he's, he has to trust that the play in front of him is going to be responsible. And I think it's, only natural that he not have that level of trust after the way that it's been to start the season. Does that make any sense? No, it absolutely
3: does. And I, I agree. And that's, I think what was uh, kind of like the, the big difference between what you see from Elvis and Corpy is how, is how he plays, you know, Corpy's very much, you know, a stay at, I won't say stay at home, but he's just hey, I'm gonna be in my net. I'll sure. go behind and play the puck once in a while, but I'm gonna stay here. You guys go get that. Elvis yeah. is just—he's everywhere, and it always seems to lead to bad things. And I always get a little nervous when he's out there. It's like oh, just, just you know, I'm, I just hear Steve dangling in uh, in my back of my brain screaming, "If you're a goalie, stay in the goal." <laughs> yeah, right. Right. No, I <laughs> know. What you mean. I, I think kind of say- learns a little something
2: from uh, watching Corpy do that. Yeah, easy to say, though. I, you know, Corby, <laughs> you could also say Corpy hasn't played enough games with this group to be totally knocked out of his comfort level either. Maybe it's maybe coming it's yeah. there, too. My God. Um, I showed uh, Elvis a, a video. This is little, maybe too personal. He's got a little dog. I've got a little dog. I showed him a clip of my dog who likes to play goalie. And <laughs> I pelted him with, like, four saves. The dog made an unbelievable left to right paw save. Forgive me. And Elvis gets a kick out of these sort of things. And he disparagingly said, He's better than I am right now. Oh so no. He, he gets it. He's he's feeling it. I think he feels the weight of the world as well. Um, but yeah, maybe these this last week without games for him has been a, a much needed reset. This is why even with sixty eight games to go and you're you're thinking, Oh my god, is this season essentially over? There's still all sorts of interesting Storylines like this. Elvis is an interesting storyline. Can he get it back together? Can this team start to play well in front of him? They get another chance to do it tonight.
3: Yeah, I hope they do. And I, I get a sneaky suspicion the, you know, the two of them between him and Jonas and the guys getting called up in the, in level of intensity, the level of intensity for the play picks up. I, gosh, these these Blue Jackets are going to mess around and win some games again. And here we yeah, go. They, Nate 9 10 range in the draft again. Spoken like a Blue Jackets fan. Well, yeah, it seems like. uh, Here's another just kind of curious question. It seems like the last three. And you might. Hopefully, you have a better sense of what's going on with other teams than I obviously do. But it feels like the Jackets are always somewhere in the league lead with man games lost. At Hmm. least over the last like three, four seasons, it seems like. And. I don't know if that's just a run, a stretch of bad luck, or, I, well, know, guy's not being prepared, or, or what. It always seems like they,
2: they turn into the Columbus Blue Monsters. Yeah, well, you know what? I think, I think the last couple of years they weren't too bad with that. Actually, they've had years where they were just got awful. And do you remember the stretch? I want to say in the mid, uh, 2010s, where there was just a rash of groin injury after groin injury after groin injury. After groin injury.
3: I don't remember. I w- probably wasn't watching the team at that point. I started following them, I think, towards first year. Yeah, uh, that's okay. when I moved to Columbus and, and started following the team. Yeah, I just remember exactly. there was one year where, like, Seth Jones went out, maybe Cam went out, and Jonas went out. Uh, and then there was a couple, handful of others. And that's when Elvis kind of stepped into goal and had that stretch of shutouts to kind right. of keep him in the playoff
2: race. Yeah, that's the fun part of this, is it does give an opportunity to some new guys. Um, you know what? I Like Wyne gets trapped, gets caught up with Parisi, hurts his his ankle. Um, you saw how good Branson got hurt. The ones you look for to say if they're not doing something right, my opinion, is if guys are hurt, soft tissue injuries, groin injuries, the same injuries, skating, um, just simply playing the game. Not through uh, somebody gets hit in the puck in a hand with a puck and breaks a hand. That's nothing. The that training has failed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I'm saying? And so the the wine A thing Saturday, getting tangled, that just sucks. And good Branson going into the wall with with Laurier letting up on him, that could have been a lot worse. Um, That just happens in the course of the game. Uh, Corrali got elbowed in the head. There's really no training you can do to prepare to be elbowed in the head when you're not expecting it. Um, if it were groin injuries after groin injuries, you'd say they're not doing something right. And that those accusations were levied back in the mid 2010s and they did make some changes and they seem to have gotten behind it. But I think this is just bad luck.
3: Yeah. Uh, I bet you Zach's wishing he got hit in the face with a puck instead of having his shoulder oh, driven into the boards. Yeah. Or
2: just tucked it and, and took his medicine on the wall. But your your human reaction, of course, is to put your hand up and try to break your call or your fall. Brutal. Hey, Paul, thanks for the questions. You got it. Take care. Thanks. Now I'm bringing somebody into the queue here. Their initials did not show up, so I'm not quite sure maybe anymore. Uh, who is this? Because I don't see your initials.
1: Oh, sorry. This is Morgan. Um hi Morgan. Hi, I had two questions. Sure. Um, one about Johnny Gaudreau. Uh-huh. On, uh, I feel like when I'm watching the games, frequently the commentators say he like pauses to see if there's going to be a penalty. And um, I've never played hockey, but in other sports, I've learned, you know, you got to wait for the whistle. Do you get the sense that he looks for penalties more often than other players or that many players do that? And then my second question is, um, this might just be my eyeballing and not looking at stats. But sure. It seems like Patrick Line cannot get a pass to connect to his, his stick. Is that just me or is there just – Bad luck or what? Those are so anyway, those are my two questions.
2: Yeah, yeah. So let me let me get the, the first one first. I have not noticed that. Um, and I've not heard announcers say that. I mean half the time I'm I'm in the building watching with my own eyes, so I, I wouldn't hear them. So I'd love to I'd love to hear what that is or what they're what they're saying. I have not noticed it. I think there's a lot of times he's one of those guys that has such great acceleration. He will stop with the puck and survey the ice because he knows he can get going uh, so quick with, with as quick as anybody and can pull away from, from um, people approaching. I've not noticed him looking for calls and stopping playing to, to, uh, to see those, but that's something I will, I will look for. I mean, it strikes me that that would be a no, no, because you just play and you let the whistles come as they, as they go. Uh I know this team as a franchise has been frustrated through the years believing and the statistics prove it it's it's kind of a hard thing to understand they get so few power plays compared to other teams now I don't know what the numbers are so far this year I've not looked um but there were I think last year there was like there was a point where they had over the previous 4 or 5 seasons like 300 fewer power plays and then Colorado. So I think there are times where the Blue Jackets are looking around like, and Jake does, Jake Vorchek does this a lot. Like, what the hell was that? How is that not a penalty? And then he'll start up the ice. Vorchek's one of the more vocal guys. Um, but I've not seen that with Gaudreau. I'll, I'll give it a look. Um, the second one, I, I think, um, you know, line A is a, maybe an underrated passer. You're, you're talking about receiving passes though, correct?
1: Yeah, receiving yeah.
2: passes. Um, I, I think players and it's a it is a strange thing. It was said to me earlier this season that Cole Cillinger Sch- Cole, uh, right now can't even accept a pass. Like there's so little confidence in his game that he's having trouble even just gathering pucks. I think players go through stretches with that as well. I've not seen line a struggle more than others i've seen line a and gaudreau and voracek sometimes move the puck at a pace where the person who ends up with the puck isn't quite ready for it like holy lord what is oh that's the puck on my stick uh because he gets there so fast and there's such playmakers but i've not noticed him struggling with receiving passes. Sometimes the ice is crap and and it, it bounces over sticks, but he's usually pretty adept at that. Um and has one of the better one timers on the on the uh team. So his hand eye is typically elite level. I don't know if that helps you at all. Morgan thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Thanks for stepping in. Uh let's get to some text questions. Um a lot of these are showing oh here we go. Maybe you just need to look in the right place there, Porty. Uh, Rick B. says, what about sending these three months and then bringing them up for the end of the season to get them ready for next year? Um, so, Rick, yeah, you're 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 mentioning what we will we discussed in the opening a little bit. And this is where I'd love to have you on the on the queue rather than text, because then we could have a back and forth with this a little bit. I, I, you know, the, the one thing that's tough about this and it's not a minor point. Is. You would be asking these guys to go from their base salaries of nine twenty-five. That's nine hundred and twenty-five thousand, in case you're for those listening at home, um, to making eighty thousand in Cleveland. Okay. It's a huge cut. This would have to be explained to them in a group setting. This is what we see. We think this can be beneficial for you. If you handle this correctly, you will, you'll end up making more money on the end of this contract because your, your next contract will be that much better when you look that much more ready to play in the NHL. Um, but that's a difficult conversation and it may be something that's just a little too fantasy hockey or easy to say if you're not in that chair. Um, but I think it could be a cool thing for all of those guys to go to Cleveland, play really big roles, and have a really neat Cleveland experience um with big roles against good players and get ready to play those same roles in the NHL. I'm not sure what they're doing now is getting ready getting them ready for the NHL, what to, to be who they're going to be in the NHL. When I see Kent Johnson is a healthy scratch. I just I go. What are we doing? What What is the point of this? Um, he needs to play, play. Uh, David Yurcheck, I get it. He went to Finland as the seventh defenseman, and you got you got to bring a seventh. I get it. And he was deemed to be the seventh at the time. But how? I don't want to say damaging, but it, this is not helping his development to sit for two plus weeks, uh, not playing the AHL or the NHL. Like, that cannot happen. This kid needs games, big-time games. So park him where he needs to be to play and thrive. I've seen some people question if Sillinger can go to the AHL. He can. He was drafted out of the USHL, so no problem there. Um, but you have to understand that it would be a difficult conversation, and maybe these guys wouldn't be up for it. Maybe – And and, uh, this is not coming from anywhere other than just going through the list of guys and their options. Maybe Chinikov would say, I'm not doing this. I'll go to the KHL instead. Uh, I'd rather go to the KHL. Who knows what that conversation could be like for any of these players? Um, I think Johnson going down would be maybe the easier of all of them because he hasn't spent that much time up here. But Zillinger got used to an NHL life and an NHL paycheck last year.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: All right, moving on. Ryan D. says, I love the 2016 Monsters and the guys that created. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the argument. And I'm not sure that argument would resonate with the players. It probably would suck to get sent down. Um... Yeah, this is uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, let's see. Bobby B says, so prior to the season, I thought, quote, what's better this year, 92 points and likely out or 72 points in the Bedard talk? Obviously, with injuries, 72 looks more likely. If you were in charge of the development, what would you do with the kids? How was a young player like Jack going to be health bombed? young player like Jack. I'm not sure what health bond is or what Jack is. So Bobby B, if you're listening to this and you can post a comment there, um, just sort of uh, maybe add some clarity there. Um, yeah. I, I like the, I like the Cleveland option again, easy to say when you're not having that discussion with the players or their agents. Um, but I do, I mean, bring up, Get Carson Meyer up here. Keep Brendan Gauntz up here. I like the way Brendan Gauntz has played. They've got other guys down there. That uh, Justin Richards is down there. They've got some players down there that could give you at least what those guys are playing right now. Now, they probably don't have the long-term upside. You would hope they don't. These are first-round draft picks we're talking about with the Blue Jackets. But, you know, you're talking third and fourth lines. You're talking 12 and a half minutes at the NHL level. These guys need to play. Um, So those are, those are my thoughts. James V says, have you spoken much to Gaudreau? You get any sense that he is second guessing his decision to come to Columbus? Well, James, I, I will note, I was accused of asking that very, asking that very question in New Jersey. I didn't, I didn't think it was a bad question. Then didn't ask it, but I didn't think it was a bad question. And it sure isn't a bad question. Now, now, it, Johnny Gaudreau is not going to publicly say, yeah, big mistake. But a little bit of him has to be curious about what he stepped into here. Now, this isn't always going to be the situation. I think Johnny Gaudreau is smart enough, certainly, to to know that anything can happen in an NHL season. They've had some tough seasons in Calgary while he was there. Things can, things can fall apart on you. And that's what they've done here very, very early in the season. I think he's still probably wise enough to look at this and say, you know what, this guy can play, that guy can play. This is going to be maybe a a little longer road than I anticipated. This is not going to be playoffs right away. We're not going to go play the Cups and the Cup uh, the, the Flames in the Cup Final. Uh, certainly the first year, but let's let's uh, let's pull together. He's part of the organization now. This is his responsibility. I see no sign of that cracking, but. I will, um, I will. yeah, I'll, I'll chat with him. That's not a game day question necessarily, but I think that's a good topic uh, for a story. Even though I think Gaudreau would probably say all of the right things and probably honestly is feeling the right things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's reasonable now. Again, I didn't think it was unreasonable before. Boy, some people were pissed off, though thinking that that's the question I asked. One guy was trying to tell people to stop following me on Twitter because I asked that question that he didn't like. That's where we're at. Um, All right. Post some more questions. Step into the queue. We've got a few more minutes to go here. Um, Blue Jackets flyers tonight. Tortorella in town. Tortorella's got a nice, healthy mark on his cheek. Um, Something about a horse. The man rescues horses. Horses are unpredictable animals. A horse may or may not have gotten torts in the face whilst he was doing his daily barn duties. Um, I can only imagine, I can only imagine the words that were uttered by John Tortorella. Um, now he loves that. He loves those horses more than just about any beat reporter he's ever met. Just about any. I said, not all, not all. Um, but I can only imagine. I can only imagine that scene. Um, and I'm glad he's doing okay because that can be a damn dangerous situation. Um, so he is in town, um, and the Flyers. I don't think there's any major. Flyers are struggling. When they came into town last week, they were playing quite well. Now they've kind of become the team that everybody thought they would be. Um, so. You know, I, I think the Blue Jackets better be prepared to work, though. Um, and here's something from, I can not see the initial on this. There's a few of these. It says, oh, and a request, can you do a puff piece on everyone's numbers? Oh, okay. I like that. Any other requests you got, let me know. In other words, who, why you wear the number you wear. Um, yeah. Hey, buddy. I don't know, again, who. I don't know who sent this, but thank you. And I'm going to need all the puff pieces I can get the rest of the way. It's it kind of hit me today in the standing in the corner of the rink during warm during uh practice. My God, there's 68 of these to go. Um, so we're going to peel off and do some different things. And so we're not just going to do game coverage. And I hope you guys are okay with that. Some of these games no longer are going to have uh, that much meaning. If there's something super compelling from a game, you can bet we're going to write about it. Um, like I have a, I believe, unless something else happens tonight, I'm going to be writing Jack Roslivick for tomorrow. Um, so here's a question from Ronald D it says, what's your view of the current leadership group? Seems like some similar personalities, quiet lead by example types, Zach, Gus, Boone. Does it help to break out of a slump to have more vocal leadership? Um, you know, that's a great question. And I, I have historically shied away. Um, from weighing too much in on this kind of stuff, I, I think you have to be careful. Um, we are not in the room and we, you get, we're in the room at times to do interviews and stuff. But when I say we're not in the room, I mean, we're not in the room, uh, obviously for those, the sort of pregame getting together, the, uh, the speeches, the, the in between. Period. Pep talks, obviously. Um, I think Boone is a hell of a captain. Maybe they're, maybe they need a different variable as in a, as an alternate, but I think, I think Branson's a talker. I think Wrensky's a talker. I think Gus is pretty, is pretty, um, I don't want to say mature because it's not an issue of maturity or not. I think he's pretty consistent, pretty responsible, but a, a super respected guy. I think Karali's a leader and a talker. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though, that's a problem. And it's, it's a problem with this team and it's a problem with every team. When your best guys are struggling, it, it can be hard to be the guy that, that does the talking when you're also one of the guys struggling. And, you know, they always say lead by example. Well, if you're not playing very well, it can be hard to call other guys out. And it maybe doesn't have the same resonance as it does if you, if you are. I think Gaudreau will probably grow into that role. I think Line a takes a moment here or there, but you know, some of these guys just haven't played well enough. I think where they feel uh, qualified or justified to be the guy calling other guys out. Um, and I also think it got, it got so ugly so fast that everyone was kind of shocked. Like I felt that in New Jersey, that seven one loss, where I just walked around the room, and yeah, I just got the sense that guys were processing, or trying to process what the hell just happened. Um, so it hit really, really fast. So I hope that answers your question, Ron. I don't want to, I don't want to say they're not this or they're not that if we're not uh, really there for the nitty gritty, uh, and we're not. Uh, Ed N says, "Where is J D? He's been absent during the early season about play, coaching, and management." Well, he's not—he's um, not a day-to-day quote, anyways. Um, Yarmo is the general manager, the guy that runs the, the roster, and J D speaks at—you know—at different times. That uh, he's the the executive to this. I, I don't think he's ducking anything. I just think this is the normal course of of his job. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, I've been asked to interview him and been shot down. I talked to him just the other day. He's, he's available. He's present. Um, so ESPN has the game tonight. It'll not be on Fox. It is a 730 start. Um, the athletic will be there, of course. And we, uh, I think that's it for questions. Uh, oh, here's one. Kyle Z from the from the weeds here. As for the pending UFAs, Nyquist and Gavrikov, what is the sense you get on their futures with the club? Well, that is a big uh, TBD. I think they want to keep Gavrikov. I mean, I would think with some of the struggles they've seen with their young kids that maybe Nyquist has a chance to sign a short-term extension now, which would have been unthinkable before, but we'll see. I think all of these trade deadline is in March. I think there's a lot of time for this stuff to play out. They want to keep Gavrikov. Listen, I mean, they are so thin on that backhand, especially with Horensky coming back from shoulder surgery next season. Um, that's going to take him some time to get, to get up. I can't imagine them letting Gavrikov go and, and filling that void. Um, you would suspect that Yurichek is going to be here next year. Um, you would suspect that Matichuk. And Kulemans are going to be a step closer to here. Probably Matic, maybe still AHL. Kulemans probably AHL, um, with some sniffs at the NHL roster, but, um, that blue line is going to transform. It feels like it is right now in that awkward stage of evolution where you can't really see what it's going to become. You just know that it's not. Thriving. Um, and that's where it's at right now. But I don't, I, I think there's still some time uh, to determine what happens with Gabrikov and Nyquist. I know Nyquist wants to badly stay here, really likes it here. I think he'd like to win here. Uh, so I think he'd be sad uh, if he moved along and didn't get to experience that. Um, okay. Thanks everybody for the questions. Really appreciate it. We'll do this again next week. Uh, you've been listening to the and nationwide live room. It is not a podcast without you. And I appreciate everybody chiming in. I hope to have more of you again next week. And we'll talk to you then. Take care.